Welcome to Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing the 2016 film Arrival, starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Renner, Forrest Whitaker, among others. It was written by Eric Hesserer and Ted Chiang, and is based on the story, Story of Your Life. Who wrote that? I am not sure. I remember looking it up, and... Oh. I will relook it up. Oh, it's Ted. I thought it was. It was Ted Chang who worked on the movie. It was Ted Chang. Yeah, that's okay. what I thought. Okay. And I thought it was one of the, um, one of them. Yeah. I didn't realize he'd written the movie too. So that's interesting. Have you read the story? I have not. I've read the Wikipedia article on it after watching the movie, and from okay. what it sounded like. Hmm. Oh, we can get more into this when we're talking about the movie because we have announced some efforts. But it sounded like the short story was more linear, lin, lin, words, lin- linear. Yeah, like with this one, when you got to the end, you realized it was all kind of a big loop. Oh, oh there's gonna be spoilers, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> intense spoilers. If you if you haven't seen Arrival and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe just skip this episode. Come back to it when you've seen it. It's a good movie. I will say, I, I recommend watching. And it's one of those ones where, like, I recommend watching without the spoilers, but also it's still a good one. Like, it's still good if you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, from what it sounded like, it sounded like the the short story, because it's from Louise's point of view, writing, telling the story to her daughter. So it didn't... Oh. You know, and it's the story of her daughter's life. you're right so it it wasn't as twisty it was just Mm -hmm. like here this is this is what happened right we have a couple of announcements first i just wanted to say i'm doing these out of order um for next week we're going to go back to some star trek stuff uh we are going to be talking about the two-part star trek the next generation pilot encounter at farpoint um, so, Kate, you said you weren't sure if you'd seen this? I have absolutely no idea. Okay, I know I've seen it multiple times. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to be discussing that. We'll see how we think it compares to other Star Trek pilots. And, uh, yeah, have some fun. Next Gen is definitely the Star Trek I've seen the most of. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what or where or how or when or anything about it because I was, you know, mm-hmm. very young. Well, it came out in 1987, so I was also very young. I, I hadn't started watching Star Trek The Next Generation when this aired, like, but I we did go back and watch it, and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have been two. Yeah. I would not have been two. I would have been older than that. I may have been but... one, because I have a late birthday. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is very true. So yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to say is uh, I was catching up on my podcast and I finally got to listen to the Pop Culturally Deprived episode that they did on Galaxy Quest. Mm -hmm. And uh, in their episode, one of their hosts, Matthew Vose, pointed out that if you include Galaxy Quest as a Star Trek film, then because of its release date, the trend of even-numbered Star Trek films being better than odd-numbered Star Trek films continues through the Next Generation and Kelvin movies. And this just made me very happy. So I had to, to point that out and share the knowledge. And uh, 
And then when I figured it out, I excitedly went and told my husband. And then we started debating the merits of all the Next Generation movies. <laughs> so yeah, that was good fun. I'm glad that... I I like hearing this part of your life, I suppose, is what I'm saying. That it holds so true to you. Yes. Yes. And we started talking about, like, data and, like, the different parts of the movies. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. All right. For, like, the five minutes we had to talk. And then I think that's it for this week's announcements. I so, haven't seen any more casting or news or anything. No, I haven't either. Um, it's been a fairly quiet Star Trek news week. Yeah. I bet the I think they're starting filming sometime in May, which is coming up. Yes, it so is. We might start getting little snippets of info then. All right. Do you want me to do like a quick sum up of the movie? Yeah, that would be good. All right. So Arrival is a sci-fi film um, about alien ships landing on Earth without making any sort of fanfare about it. They just sort of appear. They arrive. And our main character, Louise, I forget her last name, gets pulled into the situation because she's done some tr she's a linguist and she's done some translation work for the military before so they pull her in to help uh, communicate with the alien beings that are inside the ships and through learning their language she better than anyone starts to understand why they're there yeah so did you like this movie Yes, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I liked it a lot. Like I said, recommend it. Um, and it's I'm glad to have it as part of my collection because I actually went out and bought it mm -hmm. for this. So from the used video store, but still. And uh, oh, I have a funny story to tell. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I remember the movie when it came out and it was getting really good reviews and everything like that and it was the big thing for people to see and everybody was super excited about it and i was having a conversation with some members of my family about it and um one of them had seen it and they're like oh yeah i really recommended it. it was so good and i was like okay and i was just like but i think that like i'm finding it hard to conceive amy adams in this role because you know what other films i've seen her in i've seen her in enchanted mm-hmm which, for those who don't know, is a Disney film wherein she plays a Disney princess who gets sucked through a portal into real-life Manhattan. And it's a romantic comedy, and she's in that. And the other thing I've seen her in is the Muppet movie. Yep. And so I was having such a hard time, like, thinking of her as, like, a serious actress. I was like, wow, this is such a leap for her. Like, good on them for taking the leap of... of casting like this and I'm going on and on and the person's just looking at me and going like haven't you seen anything she's been in because she's been in a lot of other very serious roles mm -hmm. so yeah you have seen one other thing she's been in what uh she was in an episode of Buffy oh really yeah in season five it may have actually been it's the first thing I've ever seen her and it may have been her first acting role um wow but yeah she plays one of Tara's family members that show up I totally don't have a memory of that, but I've only seen Buffy once, and I know that you have seen it many times, yeah. so. 
Yeah, I also liked the movie. It was mm-hmm. it was very good. I don't know. <laughs> like it was like I said before, it was it was twisty, which I always enjoy. I enjoyed the twistiness. I enjoyed that it wasn't that it or I enjoyed that it was an alien movie mm-hmm. without it being an action movie. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading some reviews online, actually, and a lot of people, mostly of the male perspective, Mm -hmm. hated that. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not surprised? Yeah, it is possible, though, one of the reviews that I read blamed the trailers and said that the trailers made it look more action-y or maybe perhaps Hmm. more thriller-y. So they may have felt a little, but I, I, I don't know. I thought that was funny because I, I loved. See, I, loved I find that funny too, really because good. I remember seeing the trailers before the film came out and I did not get the impression from them that it was going to be an action movie. I remember being drawn to it more because she was obviously a highly intelligent person and it was looking at the actual real mm-hmm. world difficulties of communicating with a race that you know, has a completely different physiology that um, would form mm-hmm. language in a completely different way from us and how you learn to, like, go back and forth and decode each other's language, which is a topic I find incredibly fascinating. And so that's a big part yeah. of what was drawing me to the movie. I honestly didn't see a trailer for this ever. I just heard about it. I could it. see where they might have thought it was going to be more suspenseful because one of the things I did notice through a lot of the first half of the movie is that there wasn't even like a soundtrack mm. behind it. There was just like tense yeah. foreign noise. Like they yeah. did a and that like was the soundtrack that like noise. Oh. I'm sorry I just made that noise. <laughs> you did a very good job making it better than I would have. Oh, okay. Um, oh, great. So, but I really liked the sound editing and the mm-hmm. the cinematography was fabulous. Like I was trying to pay more attention to the like the colors in the movie. I didn't do a very good job. I only got to watch it once. I'd love to watch it again, paying more attention to those things. Um, mm-hmm. But even just like how there was all these scenes at the beginning where you didn't see her. She was just like a silhouette and she was constantly in darkness. Yeah. And yeah, just beautifully filmed, incredibly impactful choices with their direction and cinematography and music. And I could see if you'd seen a few of those clips where it just had that like tenseness and shadowiness. And if they cut it together a certain way, I could see where you might yeah. be expecting like some jump scares or some like a chase scene or something to jump out of the shadows at you. And actually, I think this is one of like the one area of the movie that I thought suffered because the first half is really like that. Like the first half, I was so stressed out. And so was she like there's like you see her hands shake a lot and she's and the the sound and you don't know what's coming and what's going to happen. And it is very stressful. Mm-hmm. But then once you, once they meet the aliens and they f- start trying to communicate and then you see that they're not about to, or when they be, they become less of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Then the second half of the movie feels very different. And I think they could have done a better job 
smoothing that out, like how it, it feels like two different stories almost. See, I didn't, I didn't quite feel as big of a difference in the two halves. I'm not saying one was better or anything like that. No, no, I, I just think it, the transition, I, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they could have downplayed the anxiety of the first half. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know. But then I really liked how how stressful that first half was, too. So, I, I, I don't know. I'd like to watch it again and see if I can pinpoint where they changed that over. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm going to start talking spoilery things now, seriously. So, because um, it seemed to me like she was changed by her interaction with mm-hmm. the aliens. And, yes, this is true. And so I want to know like if there was a point where like was it when that happened? Like try and figure out if there was a certain point where it would have been the tipping point for her. I I would honestly think it's when she takes off her hazmat suit because that's when she decides to trust them basically. Mm-hmm. So I think if like, if you're looking at it from that point of view, I think that, and this is her story, and one mm-hmm. of the things they did incredibly well was um, framing it as her story. Like they started with a voiceover from her point of view. You start mm-hmm. off with her, um, which I loved. And so if that's the case, if this entire like mood is stemming from her point of view then when she takes off her hazmat suit and starts to trust them and starts to communicate with them and opens herself up to being changed by them then i could see where yes they would then change the mood of the movie to match that yeah but i would want to watch it again to see if they uh put it together that well yeah i'm not i'm not necessarily saying it was bad it just it felt for for a movie that deals so much in a circular nature and how it's all connected and stuff, it just didn't feel very connected. Mm. Was my thinking there. Right. But really, that's my only criticism. Everything else about this movie I loved. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to take a moment and point out what it didn't do. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't have any uh, gratuitous male gaze shots. It didn't, but I mean, it also only had the one woman character. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but, like, when they came back from the ship, it would have been so easy for, like, male scriptwriters to be like, now we've got to decontaminate her, so, like, let's have a shower scene where she's being hosed down and basically yeah. a wet t-shirt or something like that. It would have been so easy for them yeah. to just, like, work that in um, somewhere in the plot. Didn't happen. Um, what else was there? Conversely, it would have been so easy for them to work in some female soldiers. Oh, that's true as well. Some more uh, women characters. Like, I would have loved it if Forrest Whitaker's character was a woman. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Because one of the things that I didn't exactly buy into was that, like, he challenges her being like, we got to move faster. We got to get this done. And then she gives him, like, a logical explanation and he buys it. And I'm like, really? Really? I, from my experience talking to men about things, like, much less high stakes than this, they often don't listen to expert women the first go through. And just like how she wasn't interrupted, she wasn't talked over, she wasn't... I was like, that's not like real life is right now, but... Okay. Although it's nice to have an example of it. True. True. It is totally nice to have an example of it. 
Um, and I, I, I like that they did it that way as it's mm-hmm. aspirational. But I do remember at one point where she's explaining to him and I'm like, so he just like accepts her as an authority. How, how often does that happen? Yeah. Uh, I also, uh, you go, sorry. No, 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 you go. I was just going to say only tinged tangential tangentially only loosely related Mm -hmm. to to that point Mm -hmm. i liked how when they're helicoptering in how uh louise and ian have that sort of debate about language and science um being the start of civilization right and the movie i think kind of leans in the language perspective Mm -hmm. but also does it in a sciencey way? I don't know. I really liked that and how that sort of related to the overall plot. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that I liked is that they had two adults who were both intelligent, who mm-hmm. were of the opposite sex, who could deal in this high stress, high stakes, and not fall into bed together. Like, yes, they do get together at the end. But it also mm-hmm. would have been incredibly easy for them to have, like, shown, like, had them start sleeping together or, you know, something yeah. like that. And they didn't do that. Yeah. I remember watching the movie and thinking, God, I hope that these to- two don't, you know, like, they don't uh, end up getting together just because they're the main male and main female of the movie. Mm-hmm. But by the end, I did like how they did it. Mm-hmm. It was very organic. It wasn't just, like... The passion of the moment it was like we've been working together and it's conceivable that we've grown to care about each other and you know yeah so feelings develop and it was good and there was a lot of mutual respect i think oh absolutely so that was nice and i liked that they made him get sick but not her he got sick when they come back from the first encounter and they're like and everybody's like looking at her and they're like are you okay and then he kind of like stumbles over to a bit and throws up and and she was like i'm fine oh i did want to mention my favorite part of the movie okay was when louise just goes to work the next day like (laughs) aliens have invaded the world is in chaos and she just shows up for work the next day (laughs) and is then kind of like oh nobody else is here (laughs) It was just such a, it was funny, and it was just such a good signifier of how stoic she was as a character. Right. Or as a, as a person. So was that after they turned on the news in the classroom? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so then she dismisses the class, mm-hmm. and then she watches the news that night, mm-hmm. and then the next day she just shows up for work. <laughs> you know, she's got research to do. I guess. <laughs> Catch up on her marking for university class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She didn't seem to be have a very popular class. Well, I think that particular day, everybody was watching the news. Well, that... Good point. I just sort of thought that set up her her character very well. And then later on, when we do see her, mm-hmm. how stressed out she gets and how scared she is. Mm-hmm. Then it has... It, it gives it a good juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, because if she would have been, like, freaking out, like, we get the scene with her, um, you know, talking to her mom and mm-hmm. her basically saying, like, like trying to keep it steady and, and mm-hmm. be stable and not 
be like all panicky and freaking out, right? Yeah. And then when you see her get stressed out, it's it's not like she is unreasonably stressed out. It's not like she's getting stressed out and all the men around her have to comfort her. It was just humans operating in a stressful situation. Yeah. Really good. Um, I was also stressed out at the beginning of the movie, going back to your point. Mm-hmm. But I also... I'm trying to think where I figured out that it was going to be a loop and what they were setting up, but it was fairly early on. Like I, there was a bit of a surprise for me, but um, I, I knew that something like that was going on, that there was going to be like a time aspect to it. Um, I never, I never guess plot points ever. I am not good at that. So I didn't pick up on it until Jeremy Renner literally laid it out for us. <laughs> During his voiceover? Or Well, there's the one bit where I guess she's dreaming and he asks her like about how oh, when you learn a language and you start thinking in it and you start thinking about life that way mm-hmm. and then he's and they point out to how their language is all time at once. Mm-hmm. So if she's thinking in that language she can experience all time at once. And I was like, oh, all right, that's what's happening. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, they spelled it out for me and I was thankful. <laughs> but not overly so. Mm-hmm. Which was good. But yeah, so like I, I realized I was stressed, but I also was like acknowledging that like, oh, they're doing a really good job heading, like creating a suspenseful tone with the music and how everything is being filmed. I wasn't like, oh my god, what's going to happen with the aliens? Yeah. So. Yeah, no. just, well, I was most stressed out during the first time that they walk into the alien ship. Mm-hmm. Because they go so slow. Mm-hmm. And the music and the... <laughs> and they show every step of it, like, okay, get into the uh, hydraulic lift and lift them up. And then you lift get... them up some more. Yep. Slide over to the opening. There it goes opening. <laughs> it was very... It, at one point, I do remember thinking that it was, like, the the speed of films, like, 2001. Yeah. Because that one, they do show all of the slow movements of the procedures and stuff like that. And I think it's good, because too often, I think, in modern... Uh, movies, they just, like, cut to the scene, and then they cut to the scene. And this gives you a real appreciation for how tense they were feeling as they were, like, slowly going through it and leading up to that moment so you could feel it with them. Yeah. Yeah, I guess tonally it was very similar to 2001. Yeah. Interesting. But now I'll probably anger a lot of listeners and say, I liked it better than 2001 because I don't like 2001, The Space Odyssey. I... I've I read the like book too. Either. I, I've read the book too, and I didn't like that. So now Matthew's going to at us because I know he loves this movie. <laughs> I also did not like 2001. There's like a brief bit of 2001 in the middle where there's like a good plot, mm-hmm. and that bit's good. Mm-hmm. But surrounding that is just a bunch of bullshit. The first time I tried to watch, I fell asleep. Yeah. Because nothing happened. Like, it starts so slowly. Yep. And then the ending makes no sense. Yep. Every fanboy ever is going to email me now explaining to me the ending. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. They don't need to. 
I'll read the emails. Kate, you could just ignore them. If, if I'm sorry. Anyways, <laughs> we're carrying on. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Okay. Should we talk about Louise as a character? Oh, we did that bit already. Okay. We did kind of. Do you have anything else to add? Um, I really liked her character. I liked the bits of her as a parent that we saw because I thought it was like a believable um, part of her scientific nature being shown in her parenting. Like there's a few moments where she was having to be like goofy and funny with her daughter. And mm-hmm. it seemed like she was having to try. Now, part of that is because of how she's like seen time now. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of that was that, but I also think part of it was that like, here was this highly intelligent woman who has spent a lot of her time among adults and doing languages and very serious adulty things. And yeah, now you have to play with kids. And sometimes it's just really hard to make yourself be silly and goofy. Mm-hmm. And I liked that she wasn't just like, you know, perfect playful mom in these scenes. Um, it, it matched the tone of the film. So I thought that mm-hmm. was well done both in the writing and the direction and the acting. Would you make the same choice she did? Um, no, probably not. That's fair. Would you make the same choice she did? I have absolutely no idea. How, I mean, okay, me as me? No, no, I wouldn't. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um, but like, I don't want kids anyways. Well, yeah, so yeah. that's a really easy decision <laughs> for me to make. In addition to the moments of grief, she sees Mm -hmm. she would have also experienced a lot of moments of incredible joy yeah and they did i felt it was more on the grief end of things that we saw because a lot of even the playful moments uh like seemed like she knew like because they didn't show it linearly right like you got all the bits at the beginning so you kind of knew the scenario And then later on, when they were showing other flashbacks or flash forwards, I guess, you, because you knew what happened, because of the way they filmed it, like I just said, even those joyful moments seem like colored or influenced by the grief. Yeah. But I think there would have been other moments that were uh, just joyful where she wasn't as influenced by the grief. But they showed us the grief parts because for maximum emotional impact, which is fair. But if you had seen that personally, all at once, the grief and the joy, I don't know what I would have picked. I mean, I may have made the same choice as her because, I mean, to a certain point, you know that everybody dies. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't really want to get into a discussion about destiny versus choice or fate versus choice either, because arguably she saw it, so she'd already chosen. But, eh. Yeah, I don't know that the movie's really... See, I didn't feel like the movie was talking much about fate versus free will. I feel like the movie was more talking about, like, if you could see everything that happened in your life, would you change it? is the question she asks him at the end. And yeah. he was like, well, yeah. I'd be nicer to some people maybe. <laughs> or what is, yeah. was that what he said? I think, shoot, I think maybe he said he'd be more forgiving of himself. 
but maybe it was other people? Shoot, I don't remember. So... It didn't really help her decision, though. <laughs> no. It wasn't really relevant. No, although did you catch the line earlier when um, the daughter is telling the mom, Daddy said you made the wrong choice or something? Oh, yeah. And uh, I felt a lot of heartbreak for him. And I am so glad it was from her perspective and they didn't showcase him acting through that in any of the flashbacks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of a, a movie that I think does sci-fi really well in that you can use science fiction to explore choices like this that we can't in our own reality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it gives you a lot of things to think about, like, what well, which choice would I make? I'm also just very interested about what the rest of her life was like. Like, does she have these uh, bits or, like, episodes, I guess? Mm -hmm. Where she's just like, oh, God, where am I? What am I seeing? Like, all of her, the rest of her life? I imagine it would be incredibly disorienting, too, unless she sees it all, like, in a self-aware dream state where she knows she's having, uh, seeing things that are not in sync with her, where she is right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm hmm But yeah, that would be confusing. I mean, I already have times where I'm like, did I do that thing? <laughs> have I done yeah. that thing already? <laughs> so if you had experienced all those times forwards and backwards, I could see where you get very, very confused very easily about lots of things. Yeah. And I, I expect, like, the aliens who she got this from... Mm -hmm. Or who she learned this from, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Like, their physiology is probably more adapted to this. Because this would have been how they evolved. Right. True. Now that we're talking about it, this does actually have a link to Star Trek. Um, okay. Because there is an alien race that doesn't see time linear the mm, way we do. Of course. Yeah. So, that's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, are we going to watch that one? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> it will be pretty impossible to avoid, so we'll get to it. Don't worry. Okay. Um, we haven't really talked about, like, the aliens and the military and all that sort of stuff, because I honestly thought the most unbelievable part of this movie mm -hmm. was that the different countries worked together for as long as they did. Yeah, well, so this movie came out... In 2016. Yes. So keep in mind that that means it was like written and created and all the work put into it during a much more hopeful time in at least Western politics. I still would you have. You still would have some trouble believing it? I was still would have problems believing that, yep. Okay. I also had a little trouble with a few aspects of that. Like, that the alien ships just showed up, apparently, without warning. And I was like, do they immediately, like, pop into our space? Were they traveling through our space? Because I think that we would notice 12 objects headed towards Earth. I mean, I know that NASA doesn't keep a huge... Like, they can't track the entire universe around us at all times. But ships traveling in, I thought, would be picked up before they landed and 
there would be a bit more initial panic rather than just, oh, there's ships that have appeared in Montana. When you see it leave at the end, mm-hmm. it goes vertical and then just kind of disappears in a cloud. Oh, okay. So I presume it arrived similarly. Gotcha. If that's, I'm remembering that correctly. That's true. Well, and I remember the fog at the beginning, like when she's going to yeah. Montana and there's still like a big blanket of fog. So it could be that they like, instead of moving, they just sort of transport in, phase in. They don't really get into it. Yeah. I don't think that was important, but I don't know. I guess that's what we're doing here. We're picking it apart. So Yeah. And... The I, I don't believe that all the militaries would just leave the ship alo- ships alone. Yeah. I feel like you know what no, I don't I know nothing well, about international politics. I'm not gonna say anything. Though to be fair too, like the ships are using technology that is clearly superior to ours. So I could see where like yeah. oh gee, you're hovering without any apparent means of doing that. You yeah. you could probably destroy us if we piss you off. Like let's not be the first ones to punch here. Because you will probably punch back harder and more thoroughly. And then the aliens, their motivation for coming to Earth was that they needed to give Earth a tool or a weapon so that in some time in the future, Earth would be able to help them. Am I getting They needed that right? to give us their language mm-hmm. so that we could experience time the way they did which was going to help them out 3,000 years in the future. Okay. Because it, it's their learning their language is what makes you experience time non, non-linearly, yeah. whatever, language. Yes. Um, and, like, it's shown that Louise teaches people the language afterwards, so it survives past her. Right. Well, it, I could see that every science agency would want to study it. Yeah. Like it's an alien language that would I'm I'm surprised she was allowed to publish a book on it like teaching anybody who wants to learn it. Here, y- you can see the future if you want. Well, th- we don't know that that's what her book does. Hmm. Like uh, they you could see that there were the symbols there and that she was talking about it, but she could have just been like examining the structure and doing more of like a linguistic breakdown of how the language works not like here's a dictionary i guess so it's not quite the same as teaching someone a language as just like discussing it or discussing the ways in which they the process by which they were able to decode it yeah something like that i just feel like the government would put that that on a lockdown Although I guess the whole point of the movie or the plot was to share it with everyone. Right. Yes. And she did finally get China to stand down. Yeah, I thought that was that was really nice how we got to uh, see that general and how how, the, how they made made him more human mm-hmm. instead of just this crazy dictator. Mm-hmm. And it was specifically because she had learned the aliens' language that she was able mm-hmm. to see that moment in her future so that he could explain to her what she had done and then she could do it when she needed to. Yeah. It was a really good uh, suspenseful and it was the most action-packed part of it because they were chasing after her with guns to get her to 
stand down. Yeah, I hated almost all of the soldiers. Yeah, I didn't like really distinguish them one from the other aside from the the guy well, played I by like Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, and I hated everybody else. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and I didn't really follow what was happening at the end where they did attack the ship and um I was Okay, so that was there was the dude near the beginning mm-hmm. who was talking to his wife on the phone mm-hmm. and doing a piss poor job trying to reassure her. Vaguely remember. And and then later on in the film you see him watching what I presume is supposed to be like um oh what is that American asshole's name? Uh you have to be more specific. The guy. <laughs> uh the uh the uber conservative guy who has like a i think it's a radio show and he just spouts this nonsense i i don't remember his name i think there's a few but there's one in particular that i'm thinking of um and so he was watching a show like that Mm. about the aliens who Mm. who was and the guy was just saying we should just nuke them all right uh or basically that's what he was saying Mm -hmm. and and so and it was that same guy who'd been trying to reassure his wife quote unquote right and then and then he was in the room when it looked like the aliens were going to be offering them a weapon oh okay see i just then, was focusing on the main characters and it was just like yeah soldiers so i didn't realize that he was yeah. in all of those scenes so it was this one guy who ostensibly is like worried about dying because his wife is worried slash his brain is filled with all this nonsense Slash, he now thinks the other alien ships are offering weapons to their enemies, so he goes and blows up theirs? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we never actually find out what problem the aliens need to help us solve. Like, they don't tell us that much. So, they could use some... Well, I guess they wouldn't maybe want to tell us more than we had to know. Because, I mean, maybe their plan in the future is to have Earth help them, like, conquer another race. That wasn't the feeling I got from them, but... No, but, like, still, I've kind of felt like, are their intentions good? Are they just recruiting? What I really liked, or what I thought was interesting, I suppose, was the realization that the alien who died, I think that was Costello. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, must have known that he was gonna die. Yeah. They all must have known. Yeah. But, uh, he came anyway, and that was cool. I don't know. I liked that realization that he must have known that he was gonna die if he came. Do you think her conversation about that with them helped her make her decision about what to do? Like, I think that must have been in there to help give some perspective from their side on it. I don't know, because that's never really brought up in the movie, that... That he must have known he was going to die. But she would have figured it out. Like, she would have known. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe. I did like how big they were. Jeez. Yeah. When she finally saw the entire alien and then just focused down on that one little part of it and was like, right, I recognize this. Yep. I liked how they had a completely different structure and Mm -hmm. that the sounds they made didn't really equate to their language yeah again i just want to read it i really really liked how they made that happen because a being that has a different physical form than us would have to communicate through different means like 
the reason we speak is because we have this mouth shaped this way and this whole like respiratory system and it all works together. And when you change that physiology, it is absolutely going to change the way that you communicate with other beings. And this, mm-hmm. I find this fascinating and I find it fascinating even how it, on our planet, our culture and our language, like our languages make our tongues move in different ways. And if you're not hearing yep. sounds from a language, as you get older and you're, unless you're really working on it, you can't make your tongue and mouth form the shapes necessary to make those sounds. Yeah. Like few people can can do it, especially with some of the the very far different sounds, like trilling your tongue in a certain way to roll an R. Learning that as an adult, if you haven't learned it and heard it all your life as a child, is incredibly difficult. And I find it fascinating. And uh, yeah, and I love listening to different languages. So this was just like, this movie was just made to delight me. It was just female scientists lead all this interesting time questions and choices and fate and all this language. It was just wonderful for me. It was very good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I finished watching it and was like, I could watch that again right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it would and it would be just as good. Mm-hmm. If you guys have watched it, people listening, and you want to discuss it with us, send us an email, send us a tweet. Please do. Point out other things that we've missed. Okay. I think, do you have anything else to say? No, I think that wraps it up. I was going to say, we had a few small criticisms, but it was a really good film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd, I'd love to watch it again so I can get more of the layers and more in depth to it. And uh, I wish I had more time in my life so that I could do a more thorough job. So apologies to our listeners for not doing a more thorough job, I guess. I think that was fine. Okay. People understand that you have children <laughs> and a job and a husband, presumably like him. <laughs> um, I was just going to wrap it up with saying how that's two movies in a row that we've chosen that are basically about time loops. And completely accidentally. So I guess that's a new theme that we're going for here. So, Kate, you're the next person who gets to choose something non-Star Trek. Actually, I could think of a cool time travel one that might work. Okay. So don't forget, next week is Star Trek The Next Generation pilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Kate's movie choice after that to be announced. I will work it out. Okay. Or I was going to go in a different direction, but now I'm like, do we want time loopy? <laughs> we shall see. Okay. Um, do you have a recommendation? I was just trying to think of that. Yeah, me too. Okay, uh, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I did just start a podcast that I've been meaning to listen to for quite some time uh, called Still Buffering. It's sort of McElroy adjacent. It's um, by three sisters, one of whom is Sydney McElroy and her two sisters, Riley Smurl and Taylor Smurl. And they just sort of chat about teenage life and how it was when the older sisters were teenagers and the youngest sister is a teenager right now. And so they talk about the differences and the things that they were into and what people are into now. And, and it's just really fun and kind of more about life. I guess. And it's fun to listen to the three sisters just chat because you can tell how much they really like each other and give each other a hard time. And it's a lot of fun. 
is this third generation McElroy podcasters? Or is this, how many McElroys are there? So Sydney I'm... is married to Justin McElroy. Oh, okay. So and it's so in-laws is... to the McElroys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It is difficult to keep track of it all. It is. It is. So it's kind of like my brother and my brother and me, but teenage girls? I I suspect that they at one point did want to call it my sister, my sister and me, but like didn't. <laughs> but for example, there's an episode called How to Make Friends and How to Family Vacation and How to Sports. Okay. And How to Breakups. And that sort of thing. And they just sort of talk about their different experiences from, gotcha. you know, being a teenager in whatever decade Sydney was a teenager in and being a teenager currently. Okay. I have thought of a recommendation. Wonderful. And it is going to be uh, running with a friend. So. Last week, I stepped a little bit out of my comfort zone and volunteered to run 10 kilometers with a friend of mine <laughs> because mm-hmm, she had mm-hmm. thought she signed up for a race. She hadn't signed up for the race properly, so she wasn't actually going to be able to participate officially in the official race. And she'd fundraised a bunch of money for it, and she would have felt disingenuous not actually running the race she'd promised to run. So she was like, okay, I'm going to run 10 kilometers, but I'm going to do it here, like, all by myself, alone. And I was like, oh, well, I'll run with you and keep you company. Even though I haven't been training for running, and so today I'm very, very sore still. (laughs) But it was really, like, and I don't usually like to run outside. Usually I am a treadmill runner. Mm -hmm. But it was actually surprisingly really nice. Uh, I don't know if I would be able to do it in the bad weather, but I want to try this summer to get more into outdoor running in general Mm -hmm. and maybe try and coordinate some other runs with someone because I have since learned that while you're running, you should be able to carry on a bit of a conversation if you're keeping Mm -hmm. yourself in your correct heart rate zone. And then you get to go and run and chat with a friend. And it was, yeah, quite nice. To be outdoors and hearing birds and things like that and thankfully not encountering any other bigger wildlife and yeah and it was more interesting too than just like staring at the wall across my treadmill i think the premise of this run is hilarious because there are so many people at the sun run you can just show up and do it it doesn't matter nobody's checking anything no i know and okay. I, I think part of it too, though, is like she would have had to track her own times, and then like she had been going to maybe try and do that, but then I had offered to do a run, and she was like, "Oh, that's more fun because she doesn't like big, huge crowds and things either." That was one of the things that was concerning to her. So then she was like, "Oh, this will be more fun. We can run together." And so yeah, so we ran, we chatted. Um, and got to cheer each other on and her husband and daughter formed our adorable pit crew so they would drive to various points on our run to like make sure that we didn't need anything or hadn't injured ourselves things like that so yeah that's cute yeah it was very cute 
So I actually like uh, running in the rain. Not when it's <laughs> pouring, but a nice light drizzle. That's the best time to run. Yeah, it was funny because we'd been talking about it like the week before and we'd realized it was going to be really sunny on Sunday. And uh, people were like, oh, it'll be great weather for your run. And she and I were both actually like, well, running in like the full sun is kind of unpleasant. It's actually nice to have like a light drizzle, especially if you're going for like a long run. uh, Because the body Mm -hmm. doesn't have any problem heating itself. And I mean, yeah, you don't want it windy and rainy and awful. But for me personally, Mm -hmm. I would not enjoy running with someone. But I can see where people who don't have my particular insecurities could possibly enjoy it. I did have a little anxiety because I often listen to things while I run. And Mm -hmm. we were both prepared. Like she asked me, uh, we carpooled. So they picked me up and she was like, did you bring music in your earphones just in case? And I was like, okay, good. Yes, that's we've got that as a backup. So if this gets too awkward, it can be like, I'm going to put my music on and then just run. And it wasn't, it helped as well that we had similar pace. Mm. Yeah. See, I don't even like running by people in the street. Yeah, I could see where I, that would be I wrong. don't like people being around at all. It's and that, terrible. the least enjoyable part for me was all the parts where we did have to like pass people and mm. the cops for cancer ride was going on. So there were a lot of cyclists passing. And for part of the time, we were on just the bike lane because of the route she picked. So mm-hmm. doing it again, I think I want to find some good uh, routes and paths that have a better running option. Because getting hit by a vehicle or something or like having to... There was times when there was like, oh, we're runners, and then there's cyclists passing us while there's traffic. And that made me very uncomfortable. But in general, it was nice. I I surprised myself by how much I enjoyed it. So I think I'll still do short runs on the treadmill, but I might try and start doing, like, once in a while, doing a long run and going outside for it. All right. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share about this movie Arrival or future movies that we you think we should watch or Star Trek stuff, you can contact us several ways. We have an email address, a command of her own at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at command of her own, and we're also on Instagram, Instagram.com slash a command of her own. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Once again, went up like four octaves on my goodbye. Yeah? That's kind of the sum up. Jen, you've disappeared. That's a good summary. Okay. I thought I unclicked my mute button, but I had not unclicked my mute button. (laughs) I was hoping that was it, but we've had so many problems recently that I was like, oh God. I had, yeah. Anyway.
No technical problems. The technical problems exist between microphone and chair. <laughs> Anyways, I'll cut a lot of that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and now we're going to go into <laughs> discussing the logistics of rearranging Kate's house. <laughs> this week on Command of Her Own. Very sci-fi. Yeah, we'll need aliens. So, cut that so out. <laughs> All right. Cut them all. Speaking orders now. <laughs> I will cut out, or no, we can have everything cut out when you want to do the editing. <laughs> that is very fair.